0: The Wiggly Podcast, the Archers, but real.
1: Hello, listener. Welcome to uh, this week's electric episode of the Wiggly Podcast. And uh, our little Heather isn't with us again this week. She's gallivanting yet again in the—I was going to say senior climbs, but naturally freezing, bitterly cold climbs of of New York. And she's gone off to do some exciting things there. And I think she'll enlighten us with what she's been up to next week. But this week I am joined yet again by the ever-lovely Rachel Harris, and the ever-not-so-lovely Farmer Phil. <laughs> Well, thank you, Rich. That's most kind. That's a bit
0: same. unfair, I think, as he's had his well, haircut. Well, I am unfa-
1: unfair, to <laughs> Phil, but no less unfair to him than he is to me. So I,
2: <laughs> so I, I can get my
1: Obvi- obviously
2: smarting, Rach, from one or two comments that have gone up on Facebook concerning a certain photo. I suspect. Oh uh, yes, there's been
1: some interesting comments about that photo.
0: wasn't a halo anyway
1: no 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 definitely not definitely not so anyway lovely to see you both we talked about this last year, but I've been watching Autumn Watch this year.
0: Mm, I thought you hated Autumn Watch, Richard. Yeah,
1: I, I, I used to. Well, and I hated it, but there were elements of it that I found very difficult. He to, likes to Kate Tumble, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, but yeah, he doesn't yeah. like hey, Bill Oddie. Well, well, I it's a funny thing, you know. <laughs> Bill, I'm, I, as much as I hate to say it, I'm warming to Bill. Mm. I really am warming to Bill, and, and it's a kind of a weird thing. I mean, I like people with their own idiosyncrasies, and uh, but Bill. Uh, yeah, Did you I'm say idiosyncrasies uh, yeah, or exactly hideous? What I said. Hideousyncrasies. <laughs> well, you know, you read into it what you like. <laughs> but I'm definitely warming to him and I'm, I've quite enjoyed watching him. My Sarah, uh, however, still has problems coping with, uh, with all things Bill like But, yeah, I know, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I've really enjoyed the show. And for whatever reason, they've made it slightly more um, thoughtful, I think. It's not quite as base, this is a mouse kind of thing as, <laughs> it, uh, as, it, as it has been in the past. So, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. So I've watched that. And, of course, they've been shooting lots of um, fallow deer. Which, mm-hmm. which we've got. With a camera,
0: not a shotgun. Yeah,
1: which we, yeah, absolutely. And that's something, of course, that's close to my heart because they're filming all those, those wonderful fallow deer down in the New Forest, which is an area that I used to knock around in quite a lot. I used to have a girlfriend down there, you know, and I used to hang out with her, with her dad who was a gamekeeper. And, of course, we used to go out and you know, look after the animals and things like that, but the deer, of course, are barking at home like mad at the moment. So, yeah, brilliant stuff.
0: Don't deer do a lot of damage? I'm sure that Phil could tell us about this.
2: They're a complete nightmare in many ways, but (laughs) I like them. I mean, they they do a lot of damage to trees, Mm. a fearsome amount of damage to trees. Mm. They're also quite successful. We've got our herd of fallow deer here, and they reckon that just to maintain numbers, you have to slaughter, to to not slaughter, (laughs) cull 30% of their numbers every year, which if you reckon there's about, well, there were a herd of about 100 here, mm-hmm. when I first came here, I counted over 90. I lost count at 90 in one field, and I was ploughing at night. Yeah, and they all came beard. out of the wood. Mm-hmm. There's no a lot dear. fewer now, yeah, but of course, they do do a lot of damage to particularly young trees, crops. You uh,
1: were, uh, we talked about this a while ago, but you've got some fantastic interviews, haven't you? Some archaeology. Interviews. Well, you
2: might recall that we interviewed Tim Hovard from Hereford Archaeology concerning the potential for at that point we thought there was a, a possibly a Bronze Age site in one of our fields that he'd identified through aerial photography. Well, since then, he has excavated the site and one other. We've had our own version of Time Team, and they've lurked around the field and dug it up and one thing or another. Yeah. And I and Heather interviewed him you know, on the site with some of his thinking and some of his findings. And it, as you'll hear, wasn't as we thought at all. OK, well, let's
1: uh, let's listen
2: in to what Big Phil's been up to. So we're back out in Stonyfield with Tim Hovard from Hereford Council Archaeological... Well, I can never remember what your name is, but that'll do. That'll it? do. We've been <laughs> called Archaeological worse. Archaeological. <laughs> and uh, we've, uh, you might remember that last time we, we spoke to Tim, he was plotting where he was going to dig holes in our field of grass seed to discover the origins of the marks that he'd picked up in the aerial photo. And a couple of weeks ago we had the JCB in and stripped off the topsoil which was a bit like peeling away the elements of a map because it did show exactly the same features as the photo did but I'll let you describe Tim what you found subsequent to that because you then excavated one or two of the things that you found and sorted out what you've dug up. Right Phil, um, what we've
3: done is we've excavated two trenches, a 10 meter square trench on the top of the hill where we saw the aerial photo of what we thought were two ditches with a gap in between them and hoped that that was going to be an entranceway and we thought what we'd try and do is pick up the line of one of the ditches as it headed to the east by putting a sort of 25 meter long one and a half meter wide trench running from up from the hedge upslope to try and intercept the line of the ditch to see if it did continue this far. Of course,
2: of course at that point you were suspecting that you might be looking at something Bronze Age, so sort of five thousand odd years. Yeah. Old, so that the hedge and the trees and so on wouldn't have been. Oh no, there at no, no, all, no not so at all.
3: No, in <laughs> fact, this was the edge of the river terrace for a loop in the River Wye. Although the, the river's now over a mile away from this point. The well, way it's raining, Tim, We might get closer. It may there. well, <laughs> quite quickly at the moment, yes. So uh,
0: Blake mere was that Mere because it was right on the river at that point then? or
3: It was probably after the river had moved and left an oxbow lake. And it was probably d- quite dark, so it was Mere. Oh! That's probably the origin. Yeah. But what we're looking at here is these two trenches, one of which, as you say when we started to remove the topsoil we came straight down thankfully on uh, what the aerial photograph showed of an interrupted ditch with an entranceway Um, the second one we, we were less successful in some respects in that we completely and utterly failed to find any ditch which would seem to suggest that the ditch turns before it reaches this point but as a sort of bonus we found a cremation burial in the southern part of the ditch with a pit about 10 centimeters away from it. This would suggest that you've got some form of marker put in the the pit next to the cremation to show people where the cremation burial was located. Now at present we don't have any dating from the burial or from the pit to tie it to anything else that we've found. We can of course do carbon-14 dating from the material from the cremation, Um, but what we're hoping to do before we finish here is to open up a tiny bit more of your field and see if this is the the only, the isolated uh, burial, or whether we're actually standing in a, a cemetery.
2: And your tentative theory at the moment is that the enclosure on the top of the hill has not actually turned out to be Bronze Age, that you think it's entirely Roman, and you're possibly thinking that it is something to do with this potential cemetery burial zone that was their version of the village hall, if you like.
3: Yes, I mean, this is our our sort of theory in progress, at least. If this cremation burial is linked to the enclosure, uh, we're only standing, what, 60, 70 metres away from the other trench. The other trench has the two ends of the ditch. The only finds we've had are Roman in date, and they're doing something slightly unusual
2: in this ditched enclosure They've sounded like from what you were saying they were getting on the wampo one way or another but well quite possibly
3: um, <laughs> they were certainly eating well that's certainly the case we've recovered most of the skeleton of a cow from a relatively small area um, what seems to be most of a dog some juvenile sheep or lamb and also some wildfowl bones all in the very bottom of the ditch and all in fairly discrete piles add that together with the, the meagre but unusual pottery that we're getting This is large vessels, not locally produced, some Samian ware imported from the continent as well, and some rather large and very thick pieces of glass. Not window glass, but vessel glass. This would suggest that whatever they're doing up there isn't purely domestic. People are coming to this enclosure, perhaps feasting, perhaps getting rid of the vessels that they're transporting some of this food and Probably drink in as well, and then um, filling it in fairly rapidly afterwards.
0: So you said one of those pots was as big as me. That's yes, not,
2: that's not very tall, then. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> it, it's get, getting th-
2: towards the five foot mark, <laughs> yes. Watch it, five
0: foot, half an inch here. <laughs> um, what would you put in that pot then? Because you couldn't tip it, you couldn't.
3: You couldn't, no, you'd have to ladle things out of it. Yeah. So um, one would imagine that it, it's liquid of some sort whether that's some form of, of beer, some form of wine, or, or um, the Roman favourite for spicing dishes up, which is a, a form of fish sauce called garum, which is effectively putrefied fish. Uh, mm. um,
2: <laughs> but it was um, to their taste, apparently. Yeah. And the fact that you think that these were large pots and glass and so on and imported vessels, does that suggest... Well, uh, you suggested to me that... that intended you to the idea that it was quite well-to-do people involved, not, not yeah. the average peasant. Well, Does it th- also suggest that it's early on in the Roman occupation because it had come from no, Europe no, or not? That's no, not I,
3: th- th- I think it's been traded through. We don't know the exact dates of the pottery yet. It's got to be processed and then sent off to specialists. But you're right in that certainly whoever was up here seemed to have pulled out all the stops. Mm. They were using some of the best materials available. And certainly as far as the glass vessel is concerned, it's something that would be beyond the means of most people, mm. or a huge section of society. Well, and do
2: you think there would have been the locality that this served, what sort of area would, do you think it would cover? Because, I mean, our nearest well-known Roman settlement would be over the other side of the river, as it is now, at Kenchester. I don't know of any this side of the river around here. You might know more than I, but would they have come from that far away or did they it may sort of i mean it,
3: it depends if if we are right and what they're doing is, is sort of having a wake um either prior to or post burying people here it depends p- upon the individual and where they're from what links they have either through trade or through the the social ladder um as to whether people would have come from bishopston kenchester area but don't forget we have not far from here a number of villa sites we have the the main road which crosses from Kenchester over the wire um, at the Weir and goes through Madley which is now Stony Street mm-hmm. and down towards Abergavenny so we're not far from one of their sort of I suppose the A forty nine in the Roman period. <laughs> it's a good place to be centred on. And we uh,
2: have found Roman bits and pieces on Stockley Hill, which is yes, not very far. Exactly, you know, where they yes. the road over Stockley Hill. I think is probably quite an old route for whatever reason. I'm sure. And
3: I, the other thing that I'm I'm pretty sure about is that there would have been a road running sort of um, northwest southeast as well. So you have the road running over the river, but you also have the road running up this side of the river as well, and that's probably reflected. In the settlement out the other side of Moccas, at uh, Bredwardine. Mm. We know there's a Roman settlement at Bredwardine. There was probably either a bridge or a fording point at Bredwardine. So you actually have... You're here in between two major crossing points
2: of the mm. river. But of course, I suppose, even whether it's as old as Roman, it may be a natural fording point, but it... It, it may always, well, but yes, was a exactly,
3: yes. <laughs>
0: you said that they smashed the pots up. Mm. Why? Why would they do that? Was that like they got carried away and had a whoopee party or were the pots the person who had died so they smashed their belongings
3: we don't know it would take a lot of smashing to break some of the the pots that we've recovered Yeah. you know they're, they're getting on for three quarters of an inch thick you'd really have to to go out of your way to accidentally knock one of these things over and the fact party, that, then. very good party <laughs> and the fact that they're five feet high you know you, you wouldn't be at man you know you, you'd be able to notice them before you fell over them that's for sure but yes they may well have actually broken them on purpose to signify the end of the the wake, the end of the feast and just to take them out of circulation and bury them with everything else that went with that feast and with the remembrance of the individual they've just buried
0: and in your mind, is this party at night or is it in the daytime? Because would you bury somebody at night and have a big fire? Or I can't quite picture the scene of everyone turning up. And
3: it, it's difficult to say. I would imagine, having seen the, the size and the amount that people seem to have been eating up here, that it would have been a fairly long affair. <laughs> and it, it could have been a sort of all afternoon and well into the evening
2: do. No, no change there then? Oh no, no.
3: Uh, so it's not just a quick half hour. This is, you know, it's, it's not a, a speedy gathering here. Uh, I think this would have been uh, making a day of it, if not making a day and a night of it.
2: Yeah. And this sort of feature, so that an enclosure on top of the hill and the potential, although we haven't confirmed it, of a burial ground not very far away, is this something that you've seen before, or are we looking at something that's quite unusual?
0: Are you excited? Oh, I'm always excited <laughs>
3: about archaeology, yes. In some ways it is unusual. It's unusual in that this is in a rural setting, or appears to be in a rural setting. Quite a few of our cemeteries that we know of at least are next to villages, next to towns Ooh. or directly associated with large farmsteads. So they're, they're near central places. This appears to be not quite in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we know that there is Roman activity around here in the, in the close vicinity. But it's certainly not near a, a, a major village or, or small town. So this may be, if you like, a, a sort of family plot maybe um, for a, a well-to-do family that has a, a sort of villa farm in the near vicinity rather than a sort of municipal
2: burial ground for a, a, an urban area. Well, as you commented just to just know, Ev, it's, it's not a bad place to be planted, is it?
0: No, but I just wondered, does it mean they had some dreadful disease so they stuck them out in the middle of Blakemere, and we're going to pick it up in a minute? No, no, I, I don't <laughs> think that's the case at all.
3: Um, no, the, I mean, the, the way that they're buried here or at least from this one burial appears to be perfectly normal. Yeah. And the fact that they're they're hanging around celebrating by the look of it uh, the fact that someone's someone's life and someone's died suggests that they didn't have uh, some horrible lurgy people were more more than willing to stand next to them and uh, and see them off.
0: And as an archaeologist, I mean, you know when you start to dig, do you get obsessed with the fact that you might be missing the next Key place, you know I 've already seen that little glint in your eyes. You can't leave it because you might find something amazing. Yes and
3: no. it depends. I mean you, ha- you have to be quite strict with yourself. You have to set a number of questions that you want to answer. You'll probably never answer all of them, and the chances are that you'll answer a few, and then that leads to 20 more questions that you haven't thought of at the beginning. Mm. But yes, there is an aspect of always wanting to know a little bit more just for the sake of another couple of tonnes of
2: soil to be shifted. Another few square yards of my grassy. crop. Yes, I'm afraid so, <laughs> Phil.
3: We have this sort of adage that uh, the most interesting stuff is either under the spoil heap or in the field next door. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, with, with, and,
0: and i just got the go last on. question. Do you find that farmers are enthusiastic when you approach them generally or is there hesitation about you know, having the whole farm cordoned off for Hereford Archaeological Society to build some monumental display What's, well, what's the general feeling? Cause I, think, I know our farm has been quite excited about it. I, th- I
3: think there is sort of cautious excitement I, I think cautious excitement is probably the best word because you know it is an unknown quantity we never know what we're going to find until we start excavating that's one of the questions that everyone asks before we start what are you going to find <laughs> and how long are you going to be here uh, yeah. and, and they're the, the two almost impossible things to answer. Um, but uh, in general, um, we find that that landowners, certainly in Herefordshire, are, are very interested in the heritage that they're looking after. I mean, yeah. after all, you're, you're custodians for your part of Herefordshire, and it's nice to know what you've got. I
2: Definitely. should I should say that, that when I reported to our land steward the sort of initial findings, David Curtis for the Duchy of Cornwall, his first question was. Are they going to schedule it or something? <laughs> Am I not going to be able to charge you rent on that end of the field?
3: No, we're not. Don't worry. It's all right. I've, I've had a talk with David as well.
2: <laughs> so with that, we'll uh, look forward to the next nugget of information. But I, I want to go back up the hill and explore a drain that you've discovered, which is definitely not Roman, but it's in a very strange place for a drain. So we'll go and have a look at that.
0: Thanks for that, Phil. It really is like The Archers, but in real life, isn't it?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well done, Rach. You've got the words in the right order there. Anyway, let's go and hear Monty's latest nugget.
0: Montycast, a weekly fact on wiggliness. ECOVA was founded in 1980 by Franz Bogat, who wanted to create a washing powder that didn't contain harmful phosphates. Another Montycast, a weekly fact on wiggliness, next week.
1: Thanks Monty, that was lovely. Now Rachel, you've got a little announcement to make, haven't you, about a fab event that we're having at the end of this week.
0: Yes, that's right, on Friday the 14th of November we're having the Grand Wiggly Floristry Street opening. So everybody's invited to come and have a look at the shed, right. see our wonderful, the shed, Is that- the florist, <laughs> if the shop's known as the shed okay. isn't it, it's okay. generally known as the shed right, right. but for this occasion we'll call it the floristry right. and they can come and watch Rosie and Laurie, our lovely florist, putting together bouquets and posies and all sorts of wonderful, wonderful flowery things and while they're with us they can have a glass of mulled cider and a mince pie. So do come along.
1: So it's worth a look, you reckon?
0: Definitely, definitely.
1: Wonderful. Well, I'm certainly going to be looking forward to that. Um, And I guess that's it. So it's
2: bye-bye from me.
0: And bye-bye from me.
2: I'll do anything for a mince pie. It's bye from me.